This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome, everybody, to another World of UX podcast. This is your host, Darren Hood. Thanks for joining us again on today. And as always, a special welcome to those of you who are listening for the first time. We've got another one of those special sessions today. I like to think of this as part of my interview series, just that the interviews are not done back to back to back to back to back. And I have today someone that I have had the pleasure of engaging with for about the last three years, I believe it is, that we've been engaging. Uh, Today, I've got with me Casey McArdle. Casey McArdle, Dr. Casey McArdle. Dr. Casey, Dr. McArdle. You don't have to call him Casey, but you (laughs) Just Casey, it's all good. Casey is, he's in charge, one of the people in charge of the XA program, the Experience Architecture Program at Michigan State University. And I'm very happy to have Casey with me on today. And we're going to be talking about a lot of things with regard to just UX experience design in general, but we're going to talk a lot about the program itself. So as usual, when I'm interviewing somebody, I just like to let that person interview themselves and give you the whole, not just an elevator speech or your elevator stop. You're stuck on the elevator and this guy gets to talk for more than 30 seconds. So here we go. Casey, let the world know who you are. Sure. Um, thanks. I'm happy to be here. I, as Darren said, Casey McArdle, I'm the Associate Chair for Undergraduate Studies, the Department of Writing, Rhetoric, and American Cultures. We have two undergraduate programs there, Professional Public Writing and Experience Architecture, what we call XA. So XA is it's, it's an undergraduate UX program. It's housed in the arts and humanities, um, basically through an exploration of the building of products, services, policies of digital and physical objects. Students basically are trained um, as user experience architects, uh, usability specialists, accessibility specialists, user researchers, information architects, interaction designers, content strategists, project managers, so on, you name it. Um, Our program is working with students to get them prepped for market. Um, Our curriculum, it's really rooted in rhetoric and design. Uh, We sort Mm -hmm. of build our own courses. Uh, We have our own computational thinking for the humanities class. Uh, Our students were taking some of the CSE classes. Those were a little hard for our students. <laughs> so we decided to sort of develop and build our own um, that sort of maybe has discussions about code um, nice. rather than just sort of memorization. And we also have classes that we developed on information architecture. Um, we have a goal really of, of teaching students to be architects of digital and physical experiences. Nice. And we see that XA nice. major as a way to positively influence the ways in which we've traditionally built products and services by you know sort of focusing on that human experience first instead of just technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically yep. our our students research, design, build, and test experiences um, that you know transcend mediums. Those are some things that we will work with students to think about. That is so fantastic. It is such a relief for me to hear somebody focusing on what I like to I like to express and I have on this podcast before and when I'm out in speaking engagements, I talk about how pervasive UX really is or experience design. I'm actually going to, I'm stopping, I'm transitioning. I'm, I'm not saying UX as much anymore as, as I am uh, talking about experience design and looking at it from a broader perspective. I, I've been approaching experience design from a CX perspective where I did uh, like about 2014 
or so and started looking more broadly. And I had the benefit of, or the privilege, I should say, the, the opportunity to work on things hardware when I was a manager of UX at Bosch. And we, we, it wasn't all digital. We had, you have an air conditioning charging station. Well, we need to be able to design the UX for that. And not just yeah. on the screens, but the entire experience. If somebody is working on vehicles in a auto repair shop, it's not all digital. You know, can we make it easier for them to get around the vehicle? Can we make it easier for them to, to charge their devices and still read their devices and, and do the work without having to rely upon just an on just the experience on the screen. So, so very happy to hear about yeah. that major applause on that. So to broaden the experience of, of learners from the beginning, one thing I was going to ask, I sort of interjected one thing here, uh, something you said that I got excited about. Can you can you tell the listeners about what you're doing and helping the students, the learners, understand the importance of accessibility? Yeah, that's that's a really crucial key. So one of the three core cool concepts that we have within XA are usability, accessibility, and sustainability. And we've sort of built the program around that. And we've we've been lucky enough to have good uh, partners. So Kate Sanka is in the College of Arts and Letters. Um, has the, uh, the Accessible Learning Conference, which our students have sort of been a part of. They can go see presentations. They can then go and present. Many of our students have presented. There's the Study Away, which is a silicon um, study away for accessibility, where Kate Sonka, again, will take students out there and work with some people from Verizon Media, Facebook, and Google, and make those connections with what's happening Wonderful. in the industry. We Wonderful. have lots of, of our, our alumni have graduated, right? And they've gone off into these spaces, and that has become their passion because We've talked about it here and there through different classes. And mm-hmm. so they'll come back and they're like, you know, what you need to do is really expand on these approaches towards accessibility. But as we talked about earlier, you know, we struggle a little bit with concern for staffing. So what Sonka, Kate Sonka and I did uh, for fall of 20, we developed our own class, the AL, AL111, which is Introduction to Accessibility in the Humanities. And so wow. one credit class. And our goal is to build that out into a three credit class and then eventually a minor. And we're hoping that brings people from across campus. It's not just built specifically for Cal, but it's for everyone to come and have those conversations. And we really hope that experienced architects, students within our program, can be the bridge across campus. That is phenomenal. I, I just, I just always nerd out about all this stuff. <laughs> anyway, That's cool, man. I, I got another question. That have you folks ever thought about taking that 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 particular accessibility course to something like Coursera? Um, we just started it. So it started in fall of 20. And so we're looking, so that was the test. And now we're looking at, you know, ramping it up to become three credit and then what that might look like with concern for getting more partners because, you know, staffing, as you know, in academia is a problem. So the more partners we can bring in, then the broader we can make it. And if we develop it something in Coursera, that'd be great. We looked, we did a landscape analysis of what was out there. We saw lots of certificates and different types of programs. We really wanted to utilize things that we were doing in XA and things that we were doing in Cal that sort of went to went beyond just the initial looking at ADA compliance, but also the human conditions involved in those spaces. And I think that if we can, we'll, we'll expand it beyond when we built a solid fulcrum on that particular approach. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I'm, I'm excited. I know anything I can ever do to help with that. Yeah, man, of course. That, that you was, know, oh we, we like to God. bug you because you're awesome. You're so <laughs> kind to, to help us and working with students. It'd be great. Oh, and, and that's, I'm, all about let's make the discipline better. Yeah. Let's help totally. people be better. Totally. 
Uh, there, I, I a lot of times I I talk to people. And just recently, I we just started something. I don't know if you knew about this. We we just started something we call the UX Chit Chat Hour. I announced it a That's couple great. weeks ago here on the podcast, where it's just you just drop in coffee house style and like just it. talk with UX professionals from around the world for about an hour and fifteen minutes. And we talk about you come in like Zoom and instead of everybody being plastered Brady Brunt style, yeah, across the screen. It's there are tables and we can either set up each table can have its own topic and you can come in and pick your table or we just come in and sit around the table. And then it looks like Zoom at that point. But each table still you could split off. And, you know, we, we've got a couple of couple topics. Hey, why don't somebody so some of you go to this other table and talk about research over there. We're going to stay over here and talk about accessibility or we're going to stay over here and talk about application of UX to non digital uh, touch points. Yeah. Uh, things of that nature. So, so that's what we're doing. And this is actually our third month and it's been a big hit. I think that's great. That sounds Already. awesome. So yeah. It's and that exciting. same thing. And somebody said that that's a big thing. They felt that that's a wellness oriented type of thing to do because totally. UX folks need, yeah. we need to talk to one another. We need to talk to people who understand what's going on and bounce things off of one another. And I, it, it's, it's huge. It's almost therapeutic. It makes sense that those of us who design and build and conduct research for human interactions and spaces desire that type of a connection. So yeah. I think it makes, it's great that you've done that. Yeah. It's a lot of, a lot of fun. Didn't expect it. It was a, Hey, I just found out about this thing called air meet. Let's just do it. It was like on a Tuesday, let's do it. And we're going to do it on Friday. All right, here we go. We have no idea how it's going to work or what we're doing, but let's just go do it. That's great. <laughs> it, I like it. It panned out. The, the next one, that, that one said, um, the next question I had here, wanted to bounce off of you, have you elaborate on this. How have things been going during the pandemic and, and what challenges have you faced and how have you overcome those, those challenges? There's, there's been a lot. Um, so a lot of our faculty, many of them have taught online to begin with, but it was one of those things where um, just trying to put an infrastructure in place to support them with concern for hardware and, as well as software, and then making sure our students had access to those same types of needs. So while you know everyone was really struggling, we did everything we could to provide an outlet for different forms that people could fill out, different surveys, different, I mean, Google Docs just became our friends because everyone, you know, <laughs> so many things were happening. So many things were also going asynchronous for the planning because we started planning in late spring of 20. I mean, I just, I just knew fall 20 was going to be online. I knew that no matter what we were going to do. And even though we yeah. weren't getting any answers, I kept telling my faculty to prepare for that. And so I, I hope that that helped them to prepare. Well, I don't think that helped with students who really, really craved and wanted that face-to-face -face, um, experience and environment. And while you know, we, we weren't ever going to be able to replicate that online, what we could do is give students an opportunity to sort of engage in these spaces where faculty were taking advantage of these online environments to try to make them as interactive as possible. Mm -hmm. I think, I think we, we really did that. And we provided a great number of, of PD opportunities, professional development opportunities for faculty, as well as just a crazy amount of resources for students to access, to visit you know, different types of, of webinars or workshops or conferences that were online. We were always sent out the annoying emails to our listservs. But at the same time, you have to find a way of manage it so you don't just bombard students and human beings with information. Try to find that balance, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so what I found from spring 20, where a lot of faculty sort of wanted to give students some breathing space to sort of process what was going on. Students, you know, of all the people they wanted to hear from, they wanted to hear from their teachers. They wanted to hear, you know, what was going on at the very least. So 
working with faculty to remind them, like, you don't have to send them an email about due dates or reminders or when modules have to be turned in, but just send, you know, quick say, how's it going? How are you guys doing? Yes. Open up your class meetings with, how's everyone doing? Let's, let's check in today. Where are you at? What can I do to help? We have resources. If you don't want to talk, um, you know, let's stay after class. Let's set up a time. If you don't want to do Zoom, so you're staring at the screen, here's my number to call. So giving students different sort of contact points, I think was, was something that gave us an opportunity to rethink how we could really engage with students with concern for our education as well as our program. But it's, it's still been a struggle. I mean, for everyone out there, whether they're in or out of our program, it's, you know, like you said, we talked about earlier, you know, we crave those human connections and interactions. Yeah. This is, we're designing and building these systems and we're wondering when are people going to be able to engage with them soon? And we hope that they will. So, yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. It's been that sounds good. I know that one of the things, you know, I, I teach at Kent State University. Yeah. And the highlight of the week is the my virtual office hours. Yeah, it's great, right? And and we get together once a week. It's supposedly for an hour. If we're not careful, I've had students keep me on the, on the line for two and a half hours. I mean, well into the night and people just don't want to go and yeah. they crave the interaction. There are, you, you, you think that you're just going to talk about the course and you end up talking about the profession. You end up talking about things in general. I wrapped up my virtual office hours a couple of days ago and we, we did cover everything in the course. We covered everything that was relevant to the coursework. We, we gave feedback on, on the work uh, that people had already turned in. But when we ended, I, I, I get a, a kick out of things like this. I ended up talking about um, cashew milk ice cream. And then that's, that's how we ended the, <laughs> that's awesome. the virtual office hour, this lovely cashew. I fell in love with this cashew milk ice cream. Then talk about a user. There's user experience in food, folks. Yes, yes. there is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this cashew milk ice cream, chocolate, dark chocolate ice cream with truffles. Delicious. Sounds good. And just, man, I never have to have regular ice cream again. I, I love that stuff. But it that human, the reason why I mentioned that, having that human element. And, and, and sometimes we have to go overboard with it. I, I found and that just to make yourself even more available than you might under normal circumstances to just make sure to not only talk to people about the work, we know we've got to do the work, but the extrinsic aspect uh, or the, the intrinsic aspect, I should say the intrinsic aspect of being a student, what benefits can we give the students that are not assumed? What, what can we do? And talking about ice cream or just talking about life and, the cat runs up during the VOA. So I bring up the cat and I let everybody see the cat or, or something like that, but making sure to be a a human don't, don't allow yourself to slip into that being a number mindset is just, again, giving a good, well, an LX uh, within the course to remember the human, the humane element and making sure that it's manifest. I mean, think about, think about students who would get to class early, right? Yes. Those, those, those early 10 minutes of interactions of conversations yes. of catching up with your peers <laughs> and what they're going on. So it might not have anything to do with the class, but reminding them that they are human beings on a different side of campus, having different experiences, have come to the major maybe at a different time and are taking a class a little bit later or a little bit earlier or different interactions with instructors. And yes. I think that's absolutely crucial. We've had some faculty who have said it so that students can come to their Zoom rooms earlier and you know talk, and then the faculty will be strategically a few minutes late so that those students can kind of chat, <laughs> which is great. Um, 
I, I did, I think uh, last semester, I, I used Teams sort of as, as a basic construct for the bulk of our interactions and just having students post about their favorite game or posting pictures of their, you know, animals or pets. We had some good discussions last semester, which was a better console, you know, the Switch or Xbox or PS5. And, you know, I'll go with the Switch because it's the one I currently have. You know, I have, I have a 10-year-old, so I can't play all the cool games out there. You know, Mario Kart, and she's already beating me at that. So it's it's one of those things reminding them that that while we have those interactions and those connections in a synchronous way when maybe we're having our class to create those different types of channels within teams or discussion posts for those who maybe want to engage on their own time and at their own pace. Yes. And, and so they can feel like they're a part of that conversation. And so they jump in, say something, and then go back to their own space. So I think thing, those are, those are things we struggled with that I hope that we've given students opportunities and faculty as well and staff to sort of come together. Yep. That sounds fantastic. Next question I've got up here. Uh, this, this is a hot topic. Uh, people, I talk about it a lot on the podcast. I talk about it in social media sure. a lot, uh, actually just as early as right before we came on, on <laughs> to record this, this interview, somebody reached out to me and wanted me, and it was a question post to LinkedIn to LinkedIn. And someone said, what is UX? And, and someone tagged me and said, Darren Hood, what do you think about this, this conversation? And I came in and I said, I'm not going to get into that conversation because I just scrolled to see who was in it and nobody wants to hear an authoritative voice. Uh, and I found out a bunch of the people in this conversation were from, were from boot camps. Yeah. And I know what's going to happen. If I get in that conversation and said, nope, uh, talk, we'll talk offline. I'm not, but yeah. I'm not going to get into this. So boot camps is where we're about to go. Uh, lots of people opt for boot camp education over higher learning. They assume that, uh, they can't spend that money, whatever the, the reasons might be. What do you feel are the advantages? I mean, I think people make that decision a lot of time because they haven't really assessed the value and they haven't really looked at cost versus ROI. That that does, yeah. doesn't come up in a lot of people's thinking. What do you feel the advantages are of the university higher learning over the boot camps? How What would you say to that person that's trying to, that is doing due diligence and trying to make a good sound decision? between yeah. the two. I, I think that's a great question. And as you talk about, those are hot topics that we see consistently. Um, and we see advocates for a number of different sides. Um, I'll, I'll come at it from the academic side, which is a, a larger holistic approach with concern for what we view education and growth to be. And boot camps in and of themselves can drill down into a few um, elements of minutia with regard to certain topics, but there's a larger conversation that needs to happen around those topics and a larger engagements that bring more people into those conversations. And I'm always hesitant because I think those boot camp spaces exclude more than they include. Yes. And I think yes. it's a real big problem <laughs> that I see. And it, so when, when you take these other classes with concern for higher ed, you're taking, you know, our computational thinking for the humanities class. You're taking a web authoring class. You're taking a methods class. You're also mm -hmm. taking a design class. You are seeing how these are all applied to different areas of a larger construct for what we view industry to be, um, as opposed to a small segment of the screen that you're only going to view at that particular boot camp. And I think that's always going to be a problem. Um, so I, I look at it in terms of, I always compare it to sort of to, to writing. So we, we do first year writing here um, mm -hmm. at, uh, at MSU and it's housed within RAC as well, which is my department. 
and it's a, a shared curriculum. And we got five projects. So we don't teach you to write for a specific discipline. We ask, we, we teach you how to write, you know, in general, we, you write yes. reflectively on yourself. You write a cultural artifact. You do your research, a disciplinary literacies project where you do research into your discipline. You think you're going to go into you're a freshman at the end of that, you know, project, you either realize this is totally for me or this is not for me. And then we make you do another project where you remix everything and you go back and you re-examine a text and you say, what might this look like if I did something different with it or I took it a different audience? And then we want you to reflect on the whole process. And that gets you thinking about writing across almost all of the disciplines that reside out there. But if you have a particular writing program that is specific to one particular discipline, you're not training that individual to write beyond that space. Mm-hmm. that's it. That's the only thing they'll be trained to do. So it'll hamper their particular growth in an attempt to really assess what's out there and this to sort of maybe find that external passion. And so when I see those boot camps, I see that really narrow that down. Uh, whereas higher ed, when the way we approach it is we want you to expand. We give you the opportunity to drill down more than some of those with more classes. But at the same time, you have to have a larger examination of that landscape out there. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, The whole holism that holistic approach is one thing that comes to mind. The oversimplification is something that I see as as a problem. Empty promises. I mean, I could go, I've got a laundry list of things. Yeah. When I work with students, I'm wary. I always talk to them about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so it's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting animal. Um, and, and also something I'm about to work on is, uh, the project I mentioned to you earlier about, uh, the issue, I call it, the uh, educational economics mm-hmm. and, and how all the different aspects that people need to engage in from a cognitive perspective, from a mental perspective, from an emotional perspective, with regard to what we want to do with regard to our education, any educational effort that we engage in has an economical component and it it builds on behavioral economics. Of course. Basically. And and it's like, why do you choose to go this route? What do you want to get out of it there? And there has to be somewhere in there, there has to be this, this, this gauge of, of value. Like where are your values in association with these things? And, and, And I just see so much value from the university standpoint, whether it's a certificate or a degree because of the issues of accreditation. Yeah. The, the, the pedagogy related efforts that you, you come and you learn something in Dr. Casey's program, you're going to get something that's well thought out with people who are really applying the science, the scientific based elements of instructional design to make sure that you get the most out of your experience as opposed to taking things that five people Googled yeah. and slapped them on a page and then presented it to you and, and charged you anywhere from seven to $25,000. And in some cases said, you know, while you're in the program, we'll pay you. Yeah. And when they finish taking your check after you do get that first job, you may as well have been a barista because that, that whole, I mean, it's almost like predatory, predatory education. <laughs> When you yeah. think about it, I hate it's, that. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're right. It, it, it really gets to a larger understanding of the motives behind it. And we, we at the core of XA, again, we talk about you know, lots of buzzwords that people use and future change agents and stuff like that. And we really work hard with our students because there's some, we have such a large 
core requirement of our classes. And we want students to go to these particular classes because we think they're essential. So when they're taking things like on, why do I need a rhetoric leadership and innovation class? Well, because if we want to change some of these systems, we're going to have to go in there, elevate through those particular systems and change them to sort of show that they can be reimagined. And I think that's becomes crucial to sort of get them, the only way they're going to move through that upward approach is, is understanding how to navigate those spaces, how to be an advocate for their peers and their colleagues, as well as their clients, and understanding that it's an absolutely crucial role that they will play to build out a space that's way more inclusive than the current space in which they currently reside, because it was so difficult for them to get into to begin with. Because you're, like you just talked about, some of those particular certificates and programs um, almost becoming like these, these sort of paywalls um, to get into these spaces. And it's, it's, that's good. It's not really allowing people to sort of grow into those spaces to bring a larger discussion and experience with them from like a holistic perspective. So it's just this one little area and that's it. And that's the only real window that will inform and give light into that space. And that is just an absolute tragedy. So we want our students to put way more windows in and to bring everyone into it. That is phenomenal. Yeah, it's more than folks can't make the decision, which is going to lead into the next question. You can't make a decision as to where you want to get your UX education just based on a promise, an empty promise at that. You're going to get a job. We're going to take you through this in six months and we guarantee you a job. Nobody can guarantee you a job in anything. Nowhere on the planet can somebody guarantee you a job. And then to tell you, so another thing I see, I'm about to go on the tangentville here, but the, when, when people tell you, okay, when you graduate, just, just put on your LinkedIn profile and your resume that you're a freelancer. You're not a freelancer unless you have work. Technically, if, if you've been freelancing, there was uh, some of us met a person who said that they've been freelancing for the last year. And somebody said, well, look, uh, tell, tell me about some of the projects you've been working on. Well, I haven't worked on anything yet. What? <laughs> so, so, so you've basically, you're creating this, the, the, this, the, this image, a, a mirage that you have been working for a year when you have not. I freelance before, but I, when that was what I did before I was a full-time UX person, I free, I was a freelance web designer for years and I did UX as part of that freelance work because I was the creative director. I was the designer. I, I did everything. I designed logos. I did yeah. everything. Awesome. But I actually did. Oh, that's me. Stop. Good, good old Google. It's all good. <laughs> I think I'm like, what in the world is that? The, I actually did the work. I, when I was a freelancer, I had 23 clients. So I actually did work. Awesome. I didn't just have this paper freelancer thing where, you know, you just create this, this kind of persona that doesn't really exist. Kind of, well, really is what personas are in a sense, but uh, people are doing this and like, no, 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 no. We want to, we want to actually be truthful. If you're getting an education and then the educational resource is teaching you as part of, part yeah. of what their, their strategy is, is to get you to be, to be a faker you got to question things. If somebody's making some, I said on LinkedIn the other day, if somebody, the first thing that they promise you is that you're, they're going to give you a job. You're, this is the beginning of a toxic relationship because it's based on something that simply isn't true. As educators, I got say, I can say this for both Dr. Casey and myself. We want people to be equipped. 
Yeah. Uh, like people bring up the whole gatekeeper thing. We're not gatekeepers. None of us are. We're trying. This is how you go about doing things the right way. Yeah. When I meet with prospective students and um, sometimes the parents along with those students and they, you know, some of them, we have a high conversion rate. Some of us start coming to us from engineering or computer science and we're, you know, they probably have high placement rates and high, but there's suddenly the students just don't want to go there because maybe that's a lot of code or maybe that's a little bit more math than they thought. Um, so <laughs> they come to us and they go, well, you know, you can guarantee a job. Like, well, I, we never guarantee anything like that. We can, we can say that if your particular student uh, moves through our program and is invested and is, cares about these topics and develops a particular passion, you have faculty who are engaged and will write letters and we will do everything that we can but at the same time, we have no guarantee. We have a capstone place um, within our program. So students, the minute they become a student, um, they get a capstone folder and a sheet and they go out and they do these experiences, whether it's attending conferences or presenting at conferences or attending workshops or talks, or even being a leader in their community, uh, community outreach, even if it's leading a blood drive, you know, they're engaging with their community and they're writing and reflecting on that. Yes. And then they get capstone points. And so when they get to my class, I teach the senior capstone class now, you know, we, we go over all those reflections and we talk about it as an arc and their growth as a human being and their growth in XA. And so they can actually talk about this in a job interview. So they're not just a, a number of skills that have been listed on a resume. They're a human being and they can talk about that particular growth. And that really will separate them from perhaps those who go through a boot camp who view that those particular skill sets and those numbers as being the only things that can really speak for them. We want our students to be able to speak for themselves. That is so, that is so exciting. <laughs> I just, I just love that. I love the care yeah. that you folks uh, demonstrate with the students. I love the commitment. You can hear the passion yeah, in your voice. And that's, uh, I, yes. love, I love it when <sighs> my students will email me and say, Hey, can we meet and chat? I'm like, of course. Let's talk. I, you know, I, I don't have any problem bumping some of those committee meetings to go talk to my students because I, you know, I really want to hear how they're doing. I, I really want to know what's going on and what I can do to help. I write so many letters. You know, I, I take pride and joy in writing those letters because I get to reflect back on their growth through the program awesome. and their classes. I'm like, that's right. They did this. That was awesome. That was like one of the coolest projects I've ever seen. And they were a sophomore when they did that. And I can barely remember my undergraduate years. So I'm just reflecting back on how amazing they are and what they've accomplished. It's just tremendous. That's wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful. The, I'm going to get to this last question. It was sort of piggybacks on, on where we've been going. Uh, and I do, I do, I do have to say one other thing I just thought about too. Uh, I've had the, I've had the pleasure of engaging with uh, reviewing portfolios Yes, you've been awesome. Casey students for years. You've been so now. kind to volunteer time. Just awesome. <laughs> the uh, I'm actually talking to one of your students today. That's awesome. <laughs> this That's afternoon. So I uh, I don't know if you knew about this, um, but I actually was in one of the classes. I attended classes like all day. Oh, that's great. From But I think this may have been in Broad. Um, yeah, because yeah. Tom Tom set this up, but I so this may not have been part of your program, but I, there were students who I, I attended three, four classes. Oh, that's great. There was a, yeah. a break in between each class, and I went in and just talked to students and talked about UX all day, and it was just fantastic because I I want to see people grow. You know, it's said, and I love having the opportunity to be able to tap into what you guys are doing to be a to be a contributor. It's been yeah, it's well, a, you're awesome. I and love it. I we love thank you it. for doing it. Because, so, you know, students just tune us out after a while. They're, 
they've done listening to Mortardo. I'm like, all right, you, you don't want to listen to me anymore. But talk to Darren because Darren's going to tell you how it is. So it's great. And we thank you. I'm looking forward to that this afternoon. We'll be online and it starts off. I call it Talking Shop. There's actually going to be a, a, a YouTube show that we're going to start doing called oh, Talking perfect. Shop. I like it. And, and just talk about whatever. You know, oh, I don't want to take up too much of your time. It's half hour. You know, say, I blocked off an hour for you. Go for it. Yeah. And that's we'll exciting. Oh, that's great. Say. <laughs> but here's the, here's the last question. Uh, everyone should want to get the best education possible. We're sort of hitting on that uh, from several angles. What are some of the key points? You've already talked about some of these. What are some of the key points about the XA program that would assure potential for cur- current learners that they're getting great value? There's that word again from their learning experience. What, what are your, your big selling points? Yeah, that's, that's one of the key things we work with students consistently is, is it, it takes, a, it doesn't necessarily take a while, but it can take a while to sort of see that progression through the program because we have so many classes and those core concepts that we want students to explore. Usability, the accessibility and sustainability and that comes to sort of fruition throughout the curriculum. But one of the key things that we do and we work really hard to do is develop and build client relationships. So with community partners. So we have a lot nice. of client-based projects in our classes. So our students even in the intro class, like the first class they take to sort of get an idea of what it might look like. Um, we take on a client project and uh, the one I've always worked with, which has been so kind has been the library. And it's just, it's just great to sort of see that development of conducting that type of research of doing some of those designs, presenting it to the client and actually getting feedback from a client, as opposed to a professor who says, this was good. This was kind of good. There's actual stakeholders. And we've, we've done that where we presented uh, the digital scholarship lab uh, at the library um, to like so many, like the 20 or 30 librarians, like the rooms have been packed, the green room, they've been packed waiting wow. to get feedback from our students. And then, you know, our students get kind of nervous and I told them like, it's all good. <laughs> I totally understand. But this is, these are the types of presentations you're going to experience in industry. So let's, yes, let's understand yes. that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay for us to make lots of errors right now. And we'll walk through it because they are really interested in what you found and what you want to share. So they're here not to ridicule or critique or to say that was horrible. They're just to say, that's interesting. Can you talk to me a little bit more about, you know, how you did that or what your sample size was? That design was not something we had thought about. I like that. So it's, it's one of those key things of, of working with, you know, our community partners of sort of building that up and making sure students can see what their path might look like. And as they start to understand particular roles within some of these projects, some of them might say, I like the design part. That is kind of cool. Well, I really like being a project <laughs> manager. I like the fact that I got to put everyone in. Oh, you know what? I, the research part was just phenomenal. Doing those interviews Wonderful. and like those observations was really cool. So they kind of see how it all comes together. And then as they begin to take their subsequent classes after that, whether it's the GD or the STA or the WRA, the writing classes or the XA classes themselves, they start to realize what their role might be. And it sort of begins to develop and they really begin to see who they're going to be upon graduation. So by the time they get to the capstone class and we've looked at those reflections and we've talked about them and then they look back on all the classes they've taken, they, they really have a good understanding of their trajectory and where they want to go. So that five-year development plan that they may have worked on in that intro class has really come to fruition and probably for some maybe changed extensively because now they really know that like, this yes. is their home. This is where they yes. want to go, but they want to drill down over here a little bit more. So I think it's a, it's a great opportunity for our program 
because it is kind of expansive. It, it is interdisciplinary. You know, we're housed in rack, writing rhetoric, American cultures. We've got experience, our, our user experience. We've got our, our practitioners and faculty. We also have graduate uh, graphic design, studio art. So it's one of those key things where we bring everything together to give this great, you know, opportunity and options for students um, that by the end of it, they go, this is, this is my home. This is what I want to do. How can I tell more people about this? How can I really have a good conversation about accessibility? And then they look back at their classwork and they go, this is how I can frame it. And I can have a good conversation with them so that, that I'm not trying to persuade them so much is that by the end of that conversation, they are themselves an advocate for what we're trying to do. That is wonderful. And that's what the higher learning education, yes. educational experience is about. That discovery, yeah. self-discovery. Totally. Uh, as right? well as just the, 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 the high level discovery as a, as a whole, just, it's just fantastic. Doing that self-discovery and, and being vulnerable enough to bring others with you. Yes. I absolutely love it. So this is, this has been an absolute joy. I, I, I don't think we, talking to you, Darren. we never got to talk about this like this. So yeah. I, I hate that it had to come to this to do it, but I'm happy yeah. that, that we did. This has been fantastic. I love it. Yeah, when all this stuff uh, happens, you and I, we're going to go get some pints and we're going to talk. Really great. <laughs> I miss talking to you, man. I missed your laugh. This is great. I miss seeing you. But thank you for everything you do for the program because you keep you keep meeting with students and talking to them and doing our showcases. It's just awesome. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that too because people think that folks like me, they misunderstand our passion sometimes. I'm extremely passionate. Yeah, And I will awesome. never, never apologize for being passionate. No. Um. But some people, I'm, I'm letting you know, to hear you say that, I mean, people are going to hear you say that and not me saying it, because if I say it, then that's just you. No, you are. And you it's... share it with our students. <laughs> and it's so kind that you do that. If I, I can't tell you how many times, like I use your LinkedIn profile in our 466 as an example of someone that. who's being strategic <laughs> and knowing how to do it. But you can see by looking at it, how passionate they are about these topics. And I really want students to sort of I'm like, I'm like, trust me, if you reach out to Darren, he's more than happy. Uh, to talk to you. I don't mean to volunteer your time. I just know you're no. such an amazing human being. Never a like, problem. Yeah, I'll talk to you. So like, that's why I, I, I totally use that because I know that you are passionate about it and you want to share that passion. I think it's great for students to see it, you know, outside of their, you know, capstone instructor who, you know, Conan O'Brien, the deep voice, uh, <laughs> gets them laughing. But I mean, I think it's, it's great that you're able to do that. And I can't thank you enough for what you do. Yeah, the matter of fact, I think about it. I'm meeting with one of your students today, but the day I heard about it, the day that yeah. you shared my LinkedIn profile, totally. somebody reached out to me that day, and I think we talked the next day. Awesome. So yeah, it happens a lot, and I I love it. I'm like, yeah. hey, what's that's one of the reasons we started the chit chat. Yeah. That's one of the reasons that we're starting to do talk and shop because we can't, it's difficult as much as I would love to meet with people one-on-one, it's just not humanly possible. Yeah. But yeah, if yeah. we, but we could get together sometime where we're one to 12 instead of one to one. And then the dynamics, especially with the chit chat, because yeah. you got, now you get to hear somebody in, in, in Switzerland or Brazil. We've had this. That's awesome. Or, or Italy or, or talk about, or from the West coast, talk about thing, how things are going for them when it comes to UX and to give someone tips about what they can do to further their career or say, I experienced this on the job, you know, add this to your repertoire, how you're digesting what lies ahead for you. 
this, these are some of the challenges. These are some of the, these are some of the opportunities and help to broad that. That's one of the things that higher learning does. This is the time where you get to expand. Yeah. You're going to pare it down later, but when you expand it, you get to take a lot of things into consideration that you may not have. So I, I, I can't sell people. I can't say enough to sell people on the value, what you're going to get sort of wrapping up here when you concentrate on higher learning is worth so much. And, and, and I'm glad that I did it. Um, when I start paying my student loans back here shortly, I'm not yeah. going to be happy about it, but I, in general, I will never regret yeah, what I've same. done and just continuing to just extend and extend and extend. And I got to give back. Yeah. Uh, it, as, as much as I can. I, I think I, I, I see it. I see myself as being a debtor. A lot of I've been afforded opportunities to grow and to yeah. learn. And, and so, and with everything I've picked up, I, I would be wrong if I didn't give back. Yeah. I, I, it, it saved me coming back to school and interacting and talking to people and learning and understanding what a lifelong learner is. And it, it yes. is absolutely crucial for me. So I hear you. If I can look yeah. back and whatever, how difficult that road may have been and whatever I can do to help make that easier for more people to come through, <clears throat> I'm going to do that. That's it. And we need more people like you. And, and you there. And you. <laughs> we need more people so we can let let's blaze the trail. Let's do it. Kick down the kick down the doors and then say, hey, everybody, come this way. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. it. So we'll thank you another. again. Thank you again, Casey, for being with me on the day for taking time out of your schedule. Uh, I hope everybody out there has gotten a lot, really enjoyed this. I'm going to be doing more interviews in the not too distant future and we'll get, uh, get these out there because people need to hear other voices. There's a lot yeah. of people with a lot of wonderful things to say. I, mean, I, I want to use my platform. Uh, I told the UXPA folks this, I'm going to use my platform to get these people out here so folks it. can see them here because there's a lot of noise out here. Here we go back to my yeah. standard world of UX, UX uncensored mindset. There's a lot of noise out here in UX spaces and we need to silence the noise. I know that sounds weird, but I think the folks get what I'm saying. We yeah. need to put an Focus end to it. it. Yeah. Focus. Yeah. Yeah. There are authoritative voices. There are valuable voices. And we want to give people an opportunity to hear those things. So thanks again oh. for being there. And thanks to all of you out there for listening today. This is Darren Hood. Time to sign off. This is Darren Hood, the host of The World of UX. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.